This is the Poetry in Motion podcast on the Blood Red channel with Neil Fitzmorris, bringing you all the big news and even bigger views on Liverpool FC. Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Poetry in Motion, also known as When Are These Reds Gonna Stop? Um, not that we want that, of course, but just the incredible locomotive that is a. Uh, LFC at the moment, incredible stoppable force, brilliant. We just enjoy every single second as fans of what this incredible club and incredible team and incredible manager uh, is is delivering for us. I'm joined by two incredible people as well. Let's keep the incredible analogy going. Uh, first of all, I've got Dan Kay. How are you, Dan? I'm pretty good. Fit for yourself, mate. Oh, no complaints here, my friend. It's just incredible, isn't it? What an incredible ride we're on so far, mate. Full of the joys of spring, uh, the sunshine and the reds are magnificent. So much to look forward to, can't wait. Great stuff. Uh, joining in, well, who else could we have joining a heavyweight like Dan Kay? Can only be Paul Ghost, the Tanuro <laughs> Uno. How are you, Paul? All good, yeah. Just enjoying the uh, calm before the April storm, which we're going to get into. And uh, yeah, we're um, not going to get many days off, are we? Let's put it that way. No, as we've just said cheekily before we went on air, we always have a little catch up with each other. And we just basically said it's as fans, we are. Um, you know, we're we're looking at the at the fixture list pile up and thinking, oh my god! But of course, what we need to remember is that the players love it. The players absolutely love it. Yes, of course, the the risk of injury is is up there, but they love it. They just love, you know, it, it, it's what you you breed horses to to, to race horses to race, don't you? They say, and 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 footballers want to play football. And for them, we'll talk about the April stockpile of games. But um, you know, they're going to love every second of it. Let's talk about games that we've just uh, gone through the last little batch before. Um, before the last podcast, incidentally, sorry, my normal introduction I passed up. Thank you once again uh, for listening and downloading uh, this podcast, Poetry in Motion, uh, and all the other podcasts as well. I always say Ali Rouge, if you haven't listened to it, it's a fantastic pod. Um, uh, proper fans who know what they're talking about, uh, uh, and we'll uh, dish up some, uh, some, uh, some great knowledge for you on the game as well. And also everyone, of course, under the Blood Red banner. Uh, all very, very knowledgeable, and uh, if you're a little fan, you'll just love them. So thank you very much, whatever you're doing, walking dogs, or just having a lovely walk across a uh, a park in a lovely spring morning. It is gorgeous, the weather is fantastic, long may it continue, and long may this run continue. I think arguably the biggest result uh, in recent times, mate, must have been that away game at Arsenal, because um, as we've seen since, Arsenal were flying, and uh, and I've just carried on again, really. The, the, uh, so catching them... Never been a decent place to go to anyway, really, in recent years. It hasn't been too bad recently, but before that, it was a tough game to have Arsenal. I remember Lacazette's late equaliser. You could almost say costing us the league against City that time. So it was um, it was a big, big game. And uh, we we uh, weathered the storm, didn't we, Dan? But, uh, but certainly showed that kind of never-say-die, very, very hard-to-beat re- uh, resilience that people have been talking about. Absolutely, Neil. I mean, the, the, this was the game in hand, wasn't it? Which, you know, has been kind of like lingering in the background for quite a long period of time. And, you know, obviously Liverpool have chipped away at that Man City lead, which was what? What was it? 12, 14, 14 points? 14 at one point. Yeah, 14, 14, 14 yeah. at one point. When we, I think we might have had two games in hand at that point. But as a number of us, heard Andy Robertson say a number of times in the last week or so, he'd always, you know, he, he like a lot of people, you'd always rather have the points on the board. And as games in hand go, this wasn't an easy one. Uh, Arsenal are, I think, a surprise a few people this season. They've had a really good campaign. I saw them against Man City on New Year's Day when City won 1-0 at the Emirates. And they were very fortunate to get something that day, Guardiola's side. And Arsenal, 
you know, could count myself pretty much and looking pretty unlucky not to get anything. The, you know, by the time we went there, it was what the twentieth of March, something like that. So, you know, nearly three months later, and Arsenal, I think they'd won the last five, something like one, like something like nine out of the last eleven. So they were basically one of the bang forming, you know, bang informed teams in the league, and obviously have their own motivation. You know, they are they are now really favourites for fourth spot, aren't they? Which for I think I'm right in saying they've not played in the Champions League for five years. Mm-hmm. Which for a team, you know, someone that grew up kind of like in the in the early years, the you know, the nineties and the two thousands, they seem to have permanent membership in that Champions League. They were never out of it. So it shows how things can change. And it was, I think, one of the things I've enjoyed most about certainly the last two games. I mean, I actually went to all three aways in the last week. So, but Brighton, Arsenal, and Forest, but particularly Arsenal and Forest. I mean, and Brighton was no easy game. You know, they they got bad got results against us in recent years, but. Uh, at Arsenal and at Forest, no one would claim to say these were Liverpool's finest performances of the season. But what I really took the the the, the biggest thing I took from it in both matches was while well, not playing particularly brilliantly and not having kind of taken as firm a grip on the game as they might have done early enough, they reacted to the opposition basically having the best chance of the game by shifting through the gears and scoring a goal. And the number of times growing up in the nineties and two thousands when we were always inferior to United, Chelsea, Arsenal. I used to despair at, the, at teams like that doing doing that, whether it was against us or in other big games. And um, the fact that we're able to now do that to shift through the gears when we need to to get get games won it says to me this is you know well not that it needs proving because they've proved it the last three or four years. This is a champion team that knows what it takes to win different types of games in different ways, and has really got. A point to prove, I think. And we've, I think we've mentioned this before in a number of pods over the course of the season. After what happened two years ago with not being able to win the league in the way that they wanted, and obviously then the way it fell off a cliff last spring, this team has unfinished business and a point to prove. And they seem like they've really got the bit between their teeth now. Yeah, he's absolutely right, isn't he, Ghost? I mean, just that ability, that's what you want in a team. If you were to look at this Liverpool team at the moment, it's like watching... Using the Grand National analogy, that'll be upon us soon. And when you're watching the Grand National with your kids and one of your kids is also 14 lengths ahead after the first turn, and like, you say, don't ever look at that one just yet, mate. Look at the one just sneaking through the pack. Look at that one just biding its time. No one went to go. No one went to stop. No one went to move out the way. Liverpool feel like that team to me now, Ghosty. They've got a knowledge. They've got a they've got a, an education to them where they sort of like 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 Dan just said they don't have they don't go out the traps all the time in fact i've noticed i feel like liverpool have, they pick and choose when to go at teams now yeah. they seem to have that knowledge of when to go and when to stop and and arsenal's a prime example you know they soaked up 45 minutes worth of worth of um, you know a bit of a bathroom batting down hatches but there's that impregnability to them isn't it liverpool at the moment where they're so confident that they can weather that storm and they know that there's a chance that they're going to break it's exactly what they did they sort of Stomach punched Arsenal in a way, didn't he? Yeah, that that that's exactly it, and I think that's a that's a quality that Liverpool have developed now. Where you, know, you look at the Burnley game and the West Ham game and and the Arsenal one last week, they're all games where Liverpool were at the best, had to rely on the defensive qualities at times, but were never really under major pressure. Really, they just kind of keep other teams at arm's length, win the game, and then at full time, the other teams looking at it going, "Oh, well, we gave them a good game there. We had a bit of a go." And they're actually coming away from it thinking, you know, they can take positives from it. Liverpool walking away from it with the points. And I think that is like a, a really good quality that they've developed, you know, particularly over the last few years. Um, I think I think some of the kind of talk of Arsenal dominating has been exaggerated a little bit. They had a really good first half. 
didn't create any anything clear cut against Allison Van Dijk and Matt up superb. Andy Robertson was man of the match. Trent had a little bit of a game up against Martinelli, but he will cause fullbacks all kinds of problems. Ultimately, Liverpool have walked away with a fourth clean sheet this season against Arsenal. Uh, massive three points. And now it's looking like, you know, more more so than at any other time this season that they could actually reel in Manchester City. I was at Chelsea at the beginning of January and coming away from the game, you do your debrief and, and whatever else and you're looking at it and you're thinking... It's 11 points now, it's probably over with. You're looking, Champions League still six weeks away from coming back and you, well, Liverpool are going to be treading water a bit now. Maybe the Carabao Cup something to look forward to, but I don't think too many people were even interested in that at the time. And, um, you know, they've just, just carried on winning and winning since then and got themselves back in contention for, for the lot. So it, Liverpool have never been in this position. You know, the most decorated club in English football, heading into April, have never been able to go for all three trophies haven't already won one. So um, it's uncharted territory, but as Dan says, it's something that you want to be having, following the club, watching them and supporting them. And it's going to be a fascinating six to eight weeks. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, I think it's testimony to Liverpool at the moment, Dan, that when they talk about Arsenal and they talk about Notts Forest as well, we you know, we, 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 um, we progressed in the FA Cup with a one 0 win over Forest, but it seems to me that whenever a team gets a ten minute display against Liverpool, where they where they where they do really well, Liverpool are on the ropes. It's 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 how high the standards of Liverpool have set themselves now. That any kind of loss of uh, of control of a match for five or ten minutes means that we're we're we're, uh, we're under the caution. It's not really. It's I think it's more to do with this really good balance that Klopp's got with this with this side, where he says just pull off the just pull off the accelerator, let them do a bit. And then we'll attack. I mean, great. You know, another thing about the Arsenal game is, which really translated why Liverpool are so dangerous. Not just the back four, but that the back, uh, the front five. I mean, I think even Gary Neville saying it's the most, um, it's the most dangerous front five in world football, and you, you've got to respect that. To, to you know, to think that we can, if anyone had said we'll undo Arsenal by two goals, one from Jota, one from Bobby Firmino, you'd be thinking, well, how does that work? Because either or probably won't play uh, because we've got the front three now of Diaz and. And Mane and Salah, but and yet you know, uh, up they come and, and and then he does that thing of like you know, uh, Jota scores and he pulls them off. Uh, mm. He's got that. It feels like that luxury now. He feels like he's he's at the you know, he really knows what he's doing. He really feels that balance uh, at Liverpool now, doesn't he? And it's a uh, it, it's a devastating front five. And when you look at City's nil um, nil at, at Palace, there's a lot of very frustrated players on that pitch. Down a lot of City players shouting at each other, getting very very frustrated. Now I don't care what anyone says, Bernardo Silva. Um, that little mosquito that he is, um, saying, you know, I'd rather be City than Liverpool because they're a point behind still. I don't care what anyone says. Their heads are rattled. There's no doubt about it. When you're 14 away and then you're now one away, um, you, it, we've got to be in their heads, mate, haven't we? Well, it, Bernardo Silva wasn't even asked about Liverpool, was he? he? He introduced Liverpool into the conversation a number of times himself, which I think it shows that we are in their heads. And to be fair, how could we not be? Let, you know, let, yeah, let's have it right. To a certain degree, they're in ours. Yeah. Because without the, the level that they've introduced over the last four or five years, Liverpool would probably have at least another two or three championships now. The bar's been raised <clears throat> to unprecedented levels where, you know, you have to win virtually every game and a, and a draw, let alone a defeat, feels catastrophic at times. You know, only a fool would write Manchester City off. You know, they're an outstanding team with, you know, with brilliant players who were proven winners who've been there and done it again. But I always have, you know, like I said, like I said just before, 
you do get the impression with Liverpool there's this feeling of unfinished business. And I've always kind of had this thing in my mind about, you know, not just this season, but, you know, irresistible, irresistible force against the movable objects. It is our desire to grab the league off them and, you know, and to kind of boost up our tally of them, which obviously isn't what it should be, stronger than their, than their wish to hold on to it and, and to add a third, fourth, fifth title. It, obviously, it will all play out in, in the next six weeks. But you know, a deciding factor, and you know, Neville and Carragher have both picked up on this. And to be fair, I don't think you need to be, you know, it's not a searing insight to to, to, to realise this either. But you know, as everyone knows, Manchester City tried to buy Harry Kane during the summer. They're essentially playing most of the season without a centre forward. Now, obviously, they've got all these little will of the wisp attacking players, but there are going to be games like against Palace where. For all the possession, for all the passing, what was it like seventy-five percent possession at one point? Well, you need to score a goal, and you know, and and, and and they weren't able to do that. Liverpool do have, without question, the most fearsome attacking force I think in European and, and arguably world football, and it could make a crucial difference. And now we get into the business end of the season because, for all City's ability. Reputation, you know, we, we know how many games have they won in the last couple of years solely on reputation. And I think for me, one of the encouraging things in the last couple of weeks is to see teams like Palace and Southampton and other teams not just rolling over and almost accepting, oh, we're going to get beat two or three nil today, but having a go at them. So um, it's it's going to be absolutely fascinating to to, to, to see how it plays out. But the I'm, the thing I'm the thing I'm relieved about is that we didn't get them in Europe. I kind of thought it was inevitable that we were going to get them in one of the cup competitions. Obviously, with this league game penciled in for the 10th of April. The thought of playing two Champions League quarterfinals either side of that. <clears throat> There's a school of thought to say it would have been even more of a psychological burden for them than for us because as as, as we all know, they need to win that European Cup. They never have they have never have won. They've only been, only been to one final and there's enormous pressure on them to do that. But I'm glad uh, we couldn't have asked for a nicer European draw. And that's not dismissing or taking Benfica for granted one iota. We got our eye wiped with them in 2006, didn't we, after Istanbul? We were all made up with that as a draw then. However, not just the fact we got Benfica, to see City get Atletico with with uh, Simeone, you have to think, being the kind of manager and the kind of coach whose tactical approach will get in Pep's head. And as we know from last season, and you know, as long as he's been in England, it doesn't take much for Guardiola to all of a sudden start putting his mad professor hat on and, and overcomplicating the game when he doesn't need to. So um, I, I don't think Liverpool could have picked a better draw for City than that. However, we've got to concentrate on, you know, we've got to get our own house in order, concentrate on our own affairs. And whatever bubbles we might chat about either game around them, you can guarantee that Jurgen Klopp and the people that matter inside Anfield and Kirby will not be getting ahead of themselves and will have the focus on exactly where it needs to be, which is Liverpool doing their jobs properly and winning the matches that they need to. Poetry in Motion on the Blood Red Channel. Just getting back, we'll talk about Benfica and, and, and easily what is the best draw we could have hoped for. But we'll talk about that in a second. But uh, just just a little more, another comment on on Guardiola and that interesting dynamic that happened, uh, Paul, with the uh, Palace game is, as Dan says, he is this, has this ability. He does need to sort of overthink and, and and sort of lose the plot a little bit. We saw it in the final against Chelsea when he. No Fernandinho, no Rodrigo seemed to play without any kind of holding decent, strong midfield, and they paid for it. Watching the, the, the closing stages of the Palace game, 
when he's got um, Raheem Sterling on the bench, he's got Gundogan on the bench, Gundogan, he's got players there that can change a game. He doesn't use any of them. Now, I'm working in Manchester at the moment. And the next day, I was listening to local radio. And you can't overestimate uh, how annoyed, how really irate Manchester City fans were with Guardiola the next day. I mean, they were phoning into local radio stations going absolutely mad at him. He was getting the full hit. If he heard any of them himself, he wouldn't be very pleased about it. But they're all basically saying the same thing, which is which is what we say. City fans know exactly what he's like as well. They all talk about the final against Chelsea and what he didn't do right. And they were all talking about it again after this Palace game. He seems to go to a place where he zones out and doesn't realise that his best bet. I mean, who's, you know, they look tired towards the end of that Palace game. So did Palace because they were putting a shift and a half in. But if you want fresh legs on, you can dart down the wing. You know, it's a bit of a no-brainer. And yet, he didn't see it. There's something about him, I think, that seems to implode uh, when he gets into into really kind of um, tense areas, in, you know, in football matches. So what Dan's day in there to get Simeone uh, and, and Atletico, who have got the threat, of course, uh, of the team itself, who are really, really strong. Uh, and to have them in the heads, it, it can only be a bonus for us, mate, especially when, as I say, they're not saying, you know, Minnows, Benfica are a great side, but you couldn't, really have handpicked a better Champions League draw yourself, could you, Paul? No, not at all. Um, I'd be worried if, if Liverpool come up against Bayern Munich in the semi-finals. I think that would be a really, you know, clash of the Titans. But, uh, as you say, Liverpool couldn't have picked it any better. I was looking at the Portuguese league when Liverpool were drawn against Benfica and, and the third at the moment, they're 12 points behind Porto, or they were when the draw was made. And, and this is a Porto team. Liverpool went there in September, October, and beat them out of sight and then played them at Anfield and didn't really get out of second gear and won that one comfortably as well. So I think Liverpool, you know, if they, they're at it and they've got their heads on for that Champions League tie, <clears throat> they'll be in the semi-finals without too much of a struggle. Um, City played Sporting, didn't they? I think Sporting a second. And, you know, that, that whole tie was done after half an hour. Um, so if this is kind of the standard of Portuguese football at the moment, then Liverpool have no, no worries there. Uh, and then you mentioned about Guardiola. It is a strange one because, as you say, you had Sterling and Gundogan on the bench. I mean, City don't really have any one outlier goal scorer, do they? But um, I'd, I'd imagine a Sterling and Gundogan, certainly last season with the two of their main goal threats. You know, Sterling's the man you wanted on the end of one of those cutbacks that they do, not only five yards out, tapping it in. So I was, I was shocked, that actually, that he didn't reach for either of them when it was clear that He'd missed a half full of chances and it was just wasn't going to be their day. I, I thought, you know, you know, sometimes you just think, you know, when you're watching Liverpool, it's not going to be their day today when a certain chance misses. I thought that when um was it Laporte at the post and then um someone put the rebound over the bar, or it might have been Laporte actually you missed it. Um and that was in the first half. Sometimes you just get this feeling. Um so I was shocked when he, he never made that change, but it was a great result for Liverpool. It's really Thrown them back into it, and um, I just think that game at the Etihad on, on the 10th of April is going to be so decisive. Uh, obviously, Liverpool play Everton and United around field later in the season, but I think if Liverpool play the, the teams rather than the badges on the kits, then they won't have too much of an issue with either of those, particularly Everton, who've got the I've made this point on Monday's Blood Red Pod, um, the worst or the second worst away record in the entire football pyramid. So that's 90 teams ahead of them. We've got a better away record this season than them. And they're coming to Anfield where Liverpool haven't lost in front of the home fans 
or what will be five years and a day by the time that that game comes around on the 24th of April. Assuming they, that they don't lose before then, of course, but um, I just can't. I just see this game at the Etihad on the 10th of April as a potential decisive one. Yeah, and absolutely. And I think I'd, I, a little caveat to that is I think the whole of April is, the whole month of April, which we'll get to in a second, um, will determine pretty much everything. I think, won't it? One way or the other. Because so much is going on in in, in that month. Uh, it's it's eight games, I think. One, two, three, four. It's eight games in a month. It's pretty pretty much a game every couple of days. It's 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 outrageous, really. But uh, we'll get to that in a second. But um, FA Cup, of course, get the job done um, against um, against a, a good Forest side. A good Forest side, there's no doubt about it. But, but they didn't really have much, let's be honest with you. Yet again, it was like, you know, Forest could have come away with it. Well, you know, you need more than a couple of attempts on goal. There was what that one where the guy smashes it past the post. Um sort of side foots it wide, didn't he? Which yeah. he thought was, yeah. No way, it was a pen. You can quite clearly see that um, uh, Alisson does that, does it brilliantly, puts his hand on the floor, doesn't lift his arm at all. So the kid finds it with his leg and tips over. But anyway, we get through that and then we've got kind of the debacle of the uh, of the draw against Man City um, uh, coming at a time when when uh, Avanti Northwest and Avanti Trains decide that the best time to do rail network um, updates and, and, and fix the rails is uh, is the Easter weekend. Why not? Not not like anyone to be going anywhere. Easter is death visiting family or anything. Absolutely ridiculous. From the fifteenth to the eighteenth of April, there are no trains running from Liverpool Lime Street to um, to Euston. Uh, the best Liverpool fans are going to get is uh, terminating a rugby. You know, which is pointless. Really, you can't listen. Hire a car in rugby, can you, or whatever? You know, you'd have to do something like that. And this is remarkable. The FA, I mean, Labour, the Labour, well, the Labour MPs have written to the FA to say, let's try and get the venue changed. The FA aren't even looking into that. That's not even going to be going to trying to say we're trying to get a Northwest venue. The FA is saying that Man United are playing just before that, so we can't play there, and there's nowhere else we can play. They don't want to give. Uh, interestingly, one of their quotes was, "They don't want to give." Uh, any of the teams an unfair advantage? Well, it's Liverpool City, maybe only two teams that are, that are fighting for this league, so there ain't going to be any advantage. But they're only expecting 2,500 Liverpool fans to be displaced by this, uh, Dan Kay. Does that mean that, that was, that's all our uh, allocation is going to be? Because um, as far as I'm concerned, mate, you can put another note onto that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, we'll move on to Paul on this reasonably quickly because I think he's been covering this a lot more closely than what I have, but, but, yeah, but I do have a, a vested interest in it as a supporter that will be that is planning on going to the semi-final. And obviously, you know, as professionally and personally, I've been interested in Liverpool and FA Cup semi-finals for a long time. As we all know, the FA haven't exactly covered the Football Association, have not exactly covered themselves in glory uh, for a number of years. And I'm not just talking about 1989 when it comes to FA Cup semi-finals. But it, it, it is absurd to me that, you know, we're, we're now, what, four or five days since the draw and it's not that far away, uh, you know. You we'll know, be th- three weeks this weekend, and at the moment, there's still been no clarification made on it. I, you know, I, I know, I know, Paul's been in close contact with Liverpool Football Club and the FA pretty much since Monday, and has been, you know, and has been updating on that. A couple of things that, that that kind of stood out to me from the couple of the articles that he's written over the last couple of days. One of them where he said that you know the, the, there was a statement from the FA where revenue from these games is still mm-hmm. a major part of how they look at things. Because it all goes they, back into the English game, he said, because we're a non-profit organisation. Trying yeah. it in that they need the money, which I'm sorry, I just don't buy. With the amount of money sloshing around, sloshing around the game as it is, that you know, uh, uh, two, two semi-finals. And that, that's how they're at half the time. See semi-finals at Wembley, 
had been wasn't the one a couple of years ago. And without wishing to disrespect these clubs at all, Stoke against Bolton, um, Villa against Bolton a few years ago. They're not all Man City, Liverpool blockbusters. Um, as someone that adores the FA Cup, I kind of you know Wembley should be kept sacrosanct for the final. There's something very unique and engaging about two about two neutral clubs. Uh, two, two clubs playing on a neutral venue. I think a few people have made the point. I think one of the reasons the FA is so reticent to move this fixture is that they're aware that most football fans, I think, do not like semi-finals at Wembley and it would set a dangerous precedent for them. Just with one final point, I think reading Paul's piece yesterday, I, I didn't realise, to be honest, in, until reading yesterday's piece that Man United are home to Norwich that weekend because obviously Old Trafford is the no-brainer there. But I actually just looked into it this morning. United play Norwich on the, on the, on the Saturday. Now, the, to, to my mind, and, so, and Liverpool and City's quarterfinal second legs are all on the Wednesday, aren't they? So I can't see any reason why the, why the game couldn't be played at Old Trafford on the Sunday. Are you trying to tell me they can't turn around the venue in 24 hours? They do it for the Football League playoffs at, at Wembley every single year, which are generally you know, Championship League 1 and League 2 on consecutive matches. There's no will to move it because they're desperate to keep their cash cow of Wembley churning out money. And as usual, supporters' concerns are not taken seriously and are second rate in their mind. And, you know, unfortunately, until they do something different, that's the way I and I think a lot of other supporters will feel about it. Poetry in Motion on the Blood Red Channel. Yeah, Ghosty, you can shed some more light on it, obviously, but Dan's pretty much got it right. And there's, there's one thing that doesn't change um, in this game. It's the FA's total disregard for fans. They don't care about fans. They don't, they don't care. Exactly that. It's utterly, totally and utterly about uh, getting uh, revenue, isn't it? Uh, it looks that way, yeah. Uh, I was quite surprised that, uh, speaking to, as Dan said, speaking to Liverpool, the FA and, and um, you know the, the rail industry this week, and the FA... When they kind of mentioned the the revenue thing, I was a bit like, "You you willing to to admit that that is, you know, every, everyone says it, but if you're actually admitting it yourself, that's quite a little bit of a shock, because as Dan says, the money's sloshing around there, not you know, it's not going to hit them in the pocket <clears throat> if they have one FA Cup semi final at a neutral venue in the northwest. Um, but yeah, Liverpool have asked for it to be moved. Um, Spurs Shankly have joined with. The we are nineteen, we are eighteen ninety four group Manchester City equivalents basically, and they've been quite strong saying they were appalled by the shambolic travel arrangements, and they've asked for that to be moved. Um, the Metro Mayors for both regions, Andy Burnham and Steve Rotherham, they've combined with a joint statement saying they hope for it to be moved. Labour have now written to the FA to ask for the same thing, and you know. Influential, powerful organisations, aren't they? All, all these really just asking for, for the same thing. Um, and it's probably not going to happen because, as you say, Dan, the, the FA are determined to just keep the, um, the cash cow coming forward. I mean, speaking to everyone this week, it kind of come across that everyone had the same message of, you know, not me, Gov, but um, there's got to be more done collectively to, to resolve the situation because, you know, the, the FA are suggesting that. It's only going to be two and a half thousand for each fan base who are going to be affected, but that that's nonsense, isn't it? You know, it's a ninety thousand seater stadium. The majority of you know, Liverpool have got fans the length and breadth of the world, let alone the country. But the majority of them are going to be coming from the northwest that weekend. Um, it's going to be a whole lot more than two and a half thousand on trains. Um, and just think of the 
the um, the motorway is going to be packed. You know, Easter weekend is, is bad enough as it is without the best part of seventy thousand travelling from the northwest to London. So something has to be done. Um, it's a real kind of stronghold of opinion pointing towards the change of venue. But how long can the FA keep the uh, the hard face stacked up and, and just carry on as it is. We, we, we'll see. Hopefully it does get moved. We've still got, what, three weeks? Um, but we'll see. Yeah, I, I, yeah. I, I'd like to have your faith, but they're already saying things like, you know, they're going to make sure that the um, the roads, the roads yeah. are, um, you know, clear and make sure everyone can get down. And, you know, it, 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 and let's face it, I mean... We've all been to we've all been to fire to to to, to Wembley finals and F and semi finals. When you you just frog marched out the stadium, you know, in a, in a, in an orderly fashion and, and straight on the trains. They want you in and out and off as quick as you possibly can go. There's no kind of there's no room for sentiment with them, is there? Let's be honest with you. So I find it very very hard to imagine they're going to do anything. This figure of two thousand five hundred is is remarkable. I don't know where they think that they're going to get yeah. that from. You know, do you think? Well, that I, I think. Going to they claimed it was from the um the Carabao Cup. They, they, I think they said two thousand two hundred and fifty travelled on trains that weekend. Um I mean I was on one of them myself. I mean it would have been a hell of a lot more than that, I'd imagine. You know, they, they were open up first class and anyone was just getting in the seat wherever they could fit in and you know, people were standing up for the majority of the journey. So I don't know where they they've they've grabbed that figure from either. Yeah, it is remarkable. But we'll watch this space, we can't imagine. Um, there's going to be any kind of change anytime soon because you know you don't really care, do they? Let's talk then about um, the upcoming fixture avalanche. I mean, you know, listen, when you're a good side, listen, we can't complain with it. It's because we're in everything. It's because we're winning. It's because we're a phenomenal team. So let's just look at them. It starts the second of April. Um, Wofford at home. Um, this is this wonderful kind of couple of hours grace we'll have, isn't it? Where if we beat Wofford at home, we go top of the league by two points and then it's over to City then. Um, and then, uh, of course, we've got the first of our of our, of our um, Champions League semi uh, Champions League quarterfinal draws against Benfica. Um, as we've said before, Benfica, we couldn't really have wished, no disrespect to Benfica, obviously, but we couldn't have wished for a better draw there, could we, Dan? I mean, with what was going on with the eight... The eight the eight teams that were left in, I know Gorsty's mentioned his, you know, his resistance about uh, about um, about Bayern Munich. I feel like we've got, I mean, we haven't got there yet. I don't want to. I'm touching wood as we speak, but uh, I feel like we we do well against Bayern Munich, but we've got to get there first. But Benfica was a dream, wasn't it, Dan? I, I, you know, looking at the teams before the draw, well, look at the teams before the second leg to be decided. I very much wanted the winner of Benfica or Ajax. Um, but, you know, as much, to be honest, in terms of like a heritage would be a good trip type basis, as much as a football basis. Um, and, and probably guns in my head, I probably would have preferred Ajax because, because I've said before, we didn't play them for 45 years. Every draw, I always wanted them. And then the first time we get them last year, it's bloody lockdown and no one can go. But um, with there's a nice heritage aspect to Benfica as well. You know, we you know the 70s and 80s, we played them quite regular. It's a it's it's a beautiful um a beautiful city Lisbon I, I went on the stag do a couple of years ago and I, I, I was always hoping it would get the chance to go back there again uh, with the Reds like to, to me the one team I really really wanted to avoid like I say was City because just because of the nature you know I kind of think if you're going to win the European Cup we're going to win the Champions League this season we're probably going to have to beat City at some point whether it's in the final or one of the later rounds 
But if it had just been pitched around uh, the the obviously the gigantic league game, which everyone's pitching as a, as a title decider, I think we'd all be on Valiant. You know, a, a week of that would just be just beyond belief. I think I think I think it'd be too much. Um, Bayern Munich are a great side, you know, and you know, uh, you know, if again, if Liverpool are going to win it, they're going to have to go through someone like that to do it. But I'd fancy us against anyone. You know, obviously they've got Lewandowski, one of the greatest strikers in the world. They're proven winners. They'll feel they've got a point to prove after we knocked them out three years ago on our way to glory in in Madrid. But I, I, you know, I, I don't think there's you know there's there's anyone really that, that Liverpool should fear, or, or and and anyone that Liverpool do fear. Um, you, you know, I was quite impressed with with Real Madrid the way they came back against Paris. But then I saw that they you know, they absolutely got their arse handed to them by Barcelona in the Liga at the weekend, didn't they? Four 0 So. I think of all the teams around Europe, Liverpool are the ones that managers and fans are holding their breath when the balls are getting pulled out of bags for cup draws because that's just the way we are. But yeah, but Benfica v Liverpool's got a lovely. It feels like a European Cup quarter final, doesn't it? Do you know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. And uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I, I think it'll be a fascinating encounter. Hopefully, particularly obviously with the way the games are, if you know, as it not particularly a betting man, I would expect Liverpool to go to Lisbon and get a good win in the same way that they've done a lot of the away games in the Champions League. And if they're able to do that, you can't take the second leg for granted, but that potentially enables them to rest some legs in between what will be these two big weekend clashes against against us, you know. Well, he's <clears throat> just preempted it, um, uh, Paul, but exactly what I was just going to say. I mean, you've got to feel really that if Klopp's looking at any kind of strategy here, he's going to want to go to Benfica and try and lay down a... a um, a lead that can't be, you know, that is insurmountable, really, for Benfica. I'm not saying six or seven nil, but that'd be lovely. But if we can come away from that Benfica game, knowing what we've got either side of it, it would be nice to know that we can possibly, you know, take our foot off the pedal a little bit on the home game. So that away leg is is, is becoming um, vital, isn't it? Yeah, I think so. I I think Liverpool have got to help themselves as much as they can during this this period. You know, what for the home, you'd expect... Some uh, fringe players to step up to the plate and, and see off a team who were really down in the doldrums, aren't they? And then Benfica away, you know, I made the, the comparison with City at Sport and that time was, was, was over, you know, 100, well, 180 minutes was done before 30. Something similar would be great, wouldn't it? You know, remember Liverpool going to Porto in 2018, was it? And the first leg yeah. added sewn up. So if they can help themselves like that wherever they can, and kind of conserve the big names and the legs for the city game and the, and the semi-final, and um, you know they've, they've got Everton United to come as well as I mentioned. And the the semi-final, do, do we know when when they're they're getting played? I can't actually think off the top of my head, but they might be involved in the mix as well. The semi-finals of the Champions League. Yeah, yeah. I think the first game? leg is before the Newcastle game at the end of April. Yeah, so that's I think they basically straddle the end the beginning of the beginning of May. Yeah, the, the, so that that Newcastle game's a thirty of April, isn't it? So if it's mm-hmm. if it's you know a Tuesday or a Wednesday that that week, let's uh, just squeeze another one in, shall we? <laughs> exactly, you know, Klopp, um, Klopp was asked the question at the, at the sitting around on Sunday, and, and he, he just reeled it all off, and you could tell he, he'd been looking at it. You know, they always say, "Oh, we're just thinking one game ahead," but he reeled it off. He said, "We've got Watford, we've got Benfica, we've got City, we've got Benfica, we've got City." And you could tell he, you know, we'd given it a lot of thought, and he was thinking this this period of season now is is huge. You know, season the final is a phrase that's always thrown about, but I think this next from the second of April to the thirtieth of April is is season the final for Liverpool, and 
you know, they're coming for the lot and it's going to be fascinating to see what they end up with. Poetry in Motion on the Blood Red Channel. Well, I'll just reel off the dates just to have people's heads spinning. The 2nd of April, the 5th of April, the 10th of April, the 13th of April, the 16th of April, the 19th of April, the 24th of April, and then possibly one in between that, a Champions League semi-final game, and then the 30th of April. They are Wofford, Benfica, Man City away, Benfica second leg at home, City again, uh, and then Man United, Everton and Newcastle. It is absolutely a a, a, a season-defining um Month, I, 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 I think we're all pretty agreed on that. You can't if we get a if we can come through that unscathed, then you know, and all bets are on, aren't we? All bets are off, really, are they? To be honest, with you, because it's uh, yeah. and there's no reason to suggest that this Liverpool team can't get through these ties. Dan, there's one thing we've seen about them: you may not win every game, but boy, they're hard to beat. And at the end of the day, you know what? My my philosophy has always been this: if we can't beat City, then we don't deserve to beat City. If we can't beat them, we don't deserve to be the best. They are the benchmark. Ultimately, they are the benchmark for various reasons. We have shown we've gone 14 points to one point behind them. At the end of the Watford game, with everything crossed, we'll be two points ahead of them. The gun is thrown down to them then. But ultimately, if we can go to the Etihad and get, you know, a draw to be all right, but we need a win, really, don't we? I'd always rather we got a win. Um, then we're showing that we are the best. And that, that's sort of what this thing is all about, isn't it, Dan? I think I think psychologically for Liverpool, you know, for Liverpool to go there and win, bear in mind there's still going to be what five, six games after that, and you know, I think generally Liverpool might have a slightly harder fixture list than City, but but I would caveat that by saying once you get into April, there are very few easy games because even the teams with nothing to play for in, in mid-table, they've got a free hit, they've got no they've got no pressure, and sometimes that can enable them to play without the shackles and everything. You know, Liverpool, Liverpool haven't beaten City, um, I'm right in saying, since that 3-1 game at the start of the title-winning season when Fabinho scored early on. Um, obviously, you know, a, a, a full, you know, a, a very absorbing 2-2 draw at Anfield earlier this season, which could have gone either way. And obviously, last last season, in some ways, last season doesn't even really count, you know what I mean? Because obviously, we all know all the, the different factors that came into play there. Yeah, you know, the way... The way Seems to have shifted in Liverpool's favour. Um, you, you know, you wouldn't say a draw is a bad result there, but the reality is, no matter you know, no matter we might have all, we've all had things to say about Bernardo Silva in his comments after the Palace game. The reality is, City do still have a one-point lead. So if it was to be a draw, we would still be relying on them to, to lose something elsewhere. Mm. But you know, again, because of the way things have happened over the last couple of years. Um, just think I can't get past this thing in my head that, that there's a burning desire in this Liverpool team that probably know they're coming towards the end of this magnificent golden era. And in some ways, the evolution of the next part of the team has already started with the arrival of the likes of Jota and Diaz. You know, the likes of you know, Van Dijk, Alisson. You know, hopefully they're going to be there for a few years yet. But particularly, obviously, with the front players, we haven't talked about Mo Salah's contract, which I'm quite pleased about because I think we're all sick to death of talking and think about it anyway. The reality is this team is not going to be together forever. And I think they all know that they, I don't know that they owe each other, but they all deserve more to show for the phenomenal journey that they've been on the last four or five years. Gorsi used the phrase just before, you know, this this next month has the ability to be season-defining, which absolutely is clear. I'd go one step further and say in some ways it's it has the potential to be era-defining, mm-hmm. epoch-defining. 
you know, it, the magnificent football and journey that we've all been on, they should have more than one league and European Cup to show for it. And this is their opportunity over the next two months to do that. And I just get the impression that they want it as much as we do. Yeah, it's it's almost sometimes like saying that thing of like, it's like being a really, 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 really good heavyweight boxer in the time of Mike Tyson, isn't it? Where <laughs> you kind of, yeah, yeah. shut up on loads, but this bugger kept turning up and beating you. I mean, it's not that they keep turning up and beating us, but it's just that they are a phenomenal side that are very expensively put together, let me add, um, as we have to do, contractually obliged. Um but they work hard and they're a tough team. I don't care what anyone says. People say to me about City, oh, you know, they've, they've, they cost gazillions. Yeah, but they still, if you watch them game after game after game, they put the work rate in that Liverpool do. They're the only two teams to do it and can do it. You'll see teams going against us and going against City, but they'll run out of steam inevitably like they always do because we are the only two teams, I think, that can keep that level of intensity up when it comes to playing. Um, and I've watched them and they, they're not just a load of prima donnas bouncing around the pitch. They play. They they, they they graft and they grind and they press. So they're a tough team. And I think they're very much, as I said before, the benchmark for every other team to look at. Um, uh, and you're right, Dan, we should have more than, you did miss out the Premiership there, of course, but we should have more than the uh, Premiership uh, and the, um, the Champions League and the Carabao Cup. Um, and the World Club Cup. And the World Club Cup, of course. Uh, and the uh, Super Cup. Um but we should have more, um, and 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 this is the kind. These are the kind of teams you have to beat. But I just feel like um, I'm probably just being super optimistic, Paul. But I just feel like there's something, there's mm. something niggling away in City. There's something niggling away with him. There's something niggling away with the, just the frustration. In the last ten minutes. I know every team's frustrated, but when he when he can't get a game, when he can't get a result. But the frustration they showed between each other, the little sarky comments and pointing them saying you should have been there, should have been there, just feels like there's just, you know, not all is not all is well in the kingdom of the Etihad. And we can hopefully exploit it, Paul. Possibly, yeah. I mean, um, I think it'd be like a little bit of a psychological thing where well, Liverpool beat Watford and then suddenly Liverpool go top and City look and thinking, well, how's this happened? Because we've only lost one. Um, then draws to Southampton and Palace are just as damaging as that defeat to, to Tottenham and <clears throat> draws draws are no good draws are uh, defeats with better PR to be honest they just you know you get a point yeah fine but you know they, they, draws cost Liverpool the, the title in 2009 didn't they you know Liverpool only lost two games all season and, and Man, Man United walked away with the title so Liverpool have, have got to win um, there's no there's no choice really but I think <clears throat> I think, you know, obviously they've built on for the quadruple. But it's not pressured, is it? Because it's never been done before. The pool have never been in this position before. So it probably should just be embraced. <clears throat> and I love hearing fans talk about it. I seen a tweet the other day that was moaning about going on about it loads. And I just think, well, that's what following your team's all about, isn't it? You, should, you know, fans should be talking about it, talking it up. And they're not, they, they don't have to be running around. That, that's a job for Jürgen Klopp and the staff to talk it down and say we're taking it one game at a time. Liverpool fans should be dreaming about FA, FA Cup semi-finals, finals, Champions League semis, and you know we're going to win the lot. And that is what being a football fan is all about, isn't it? Having that optimism and the hope. Because if you don't, <clears throat> what, what else have you got following your team? So um, I'm all for quadruple talk and we'll let Jürgen Klopp say that he's not thinking about it. But I think since Alexander-Arnold's Instagram post after doing the Carabao Cup kind of gave the game away a little bit. It was just like one quarter down and it was like, OK, well, they're clearly thinking about coming for all four. So, um, 
yeah, but let's let's talk it up. Why not? Liverpool are coming for coming for it all, and as I say, it's um, it's just going to be so fascinating just to see what happens in the next few weeks. Can't wait. Well, and that's it, and, and 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 we have to we have to remember that we are in it, and we have to remember that what a feeling it is at the moment to know that we are, and it could fall apart at any time. Well, that's that's part of the game, isn't it? That's part. Yeah, yeah. That's part of this wonderful game that we're in. We are we are in as fans a golden era, as Liverpool fans. It is an extraordinary time to be a Liverpool fan, and you don't have to stretch your neck too far across Stanley Park to realise how tenuous this game can be. Um, you know, City, when we play Watford, City have got to go away to Burnley. Who wants to go away to Burnley ever? Never mind for football. Joking, Burnley, <laughs> lovely place. But no, it's a tough game. Burnley are fighting for their lives. Burnley are in a relegation battle. You know, Everton have got a, <clears throat> a game in hand on them, I think. Everton are teetering, obviously. But Burnley need every single point they can get. And if they can just think about a draw, you just don't know. You just don't know. There are so many things. There are so many um, defining moments yet to come in this, uh, but certainly April is the one that's going to that, that's going to kick it all off. Obviously, we get this international nonsense out the way, uh, and we get down to the real matter of football. Um, all right, then, just very, very quickly before we uh, before we go, guys. Once again, thank you very much for your, for your, your contributions today. Uh, Watford at home, got to be a win, hasn't it, Dan? All due respect to Watford, I'm sure they won't make it easy for us, but I'm going to go for a repeat of the uh, results at Vicarage Road, 5-0. Hopefully, barely getting out of second gear, getting some legs into... Yeah. getting to be people have, The players have had to slap all around the world, let them have a bit of a rest, and get some legs into those that need them ahead of, you know, what could be... You know, just, just to add to what you were saying before, Fitzy, about, you know, this ride that we're on. I think I've said a couple of times... Enjoy the ride, you know what I mean? Don't get caught up with the pressure in it. But also as well, the, the number of seasons, you know, I'm in my, my mid-40s now, the number of times we've got to this time of year and I can't wait for the season to be over because it's been all, all, you know, our main rivals going for the big prizes. We're flattering to deceive. And you just think, oh, well, rip it up and start again in, in August. We've got to savour this because someone that knows, they, these type of seasons do not come along very often. Once in a lifetime, really. So lap it up and enjoy Absolutely, mate. Good to put a bit of yourself, don't So we got them at home. We got thrashed in there, have me, mate? And go two points ahead, and then it's uh, and then it's all better off and game on to uh, to Man City. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's just full steam ahead, isn't it? From that Watford game, um, as Dan says, I think it'd be nice to get the game won fairly early, rest a few legs, give you know the likes of Curtis Jones, maybe even Joe Gomez a go. Trent's probably still going to be out injured, isn't he, with the hamstring? But Liverpool have got more than enough in reserve to get past the struggling Watford side at home. So, yeah, take it from there. And then um, then we're on to Lisbon, aren't we? And let's see what happens there. The amazing adventures of Liverpool FC. Dan Kate, thank you very, very much indeed, pal. Always a pleasure. And I'll see you on the next one, hopefully, my friend, if you're not too busy. Cheers, Fitzy. Nice one, mate. Thanks, pal. Gorsty, always a pleasure, man. I feel like we have to get a bit of red carpet out here when you come out. <laughs> like Royals. Thank you very much, pal, for your insights as well. Well, as we've just said, guys and girls, everyone listening to this, thank you once again. Um, just enjoy it. Enjoy every second of it. Yes, we're on a every 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 game is a potential banana skin. Every game is a cup final. Every game is is um, is win everything or lose everything. But that is not the beauty of being and the privilege of being a Liverpool fan is that they take us all the way, all the time. We are so lucky. We should just grasp it with both hands. Keep supporting the Reds. I feel sorry for Dan that he can't get back to Ajax where he, um, to Amsterdam where he had his stag do and he can't find his kicks. But anyway. <laughs> Liverpool uh, will be good. I'm already booked. 
you know as he boxes right Lisbon ain't a bad right. second place my friend is it lovely little Portuguese Portugal trip there it'd be very very nice um, just enjoy every second of it people and we'll see you again on the next Poetry in Motion you've been listening to the Poetry in Motion podcast on the Blood Red channel <laughs>